everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ad Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Scheller from Ad Advance, and today I'm joined by Leo Ebert. Leo, it's awesome to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Joe. Excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. So for people who aren't familiar with you, kind of give us a quick introduction and, and background. Sure. Yeah. So uh, we run a, a digital ads agency, Exact Click Digital. I got my career, actually started my career in accounting years and years ago. I was a CPA for a while, worked at Deloitte, you know, one of the big accounting firms. Realized pretty quickly that was not my path. You know, I felt like I was good at it, but I certainly did not really enjoy it. <laughs> so in 2007, I transitioned over, really kind of just jumped in with both feet full time into this digital ad space, you know, started scouring forums and blogs and anything I could get my, my eyes on to learn how to do it. And that's just kind of how I started. I've been running this uh, full time since 2007. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's kind of funny too. Like, so I'm an engineer. Um, and so definitely not in the marketing space. Originally, I got my start actually selling on Amazon and getting into the ad space. So like from an accounting background, what made you make the jump to digital advertising? <laughs> well, so I was looking for something. I mean, and I kind of experimented with a few things, thought about going into, um, financial management, you know, becoming a, like a financial planner. Um, I, I did some partnerships with some friends, like m more about consulting really than partnerships, helping them grow their businesses. But one day I had this, I was getting this business magazine. I think it was called Inc magazine. I'm not even sure it's still sure. around, but, uh, yep, maybe it's still around. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we we just got on the Inc. 5000, which is no, how I know that we got <laughs> that the nice. magazine is still going. <laughs> right. I forgot about that. I forgot about their list. Yeah, that makes sense. But and there was just this article and it had this a picture of this guy sitting poolside in Cyprus. And, sure. you know, he's just chilling by the pool and he says, yeah, I, I pay for traffic on Google and I sell the leads to businesses. And he's just you know, it made, made it look so glamorous and so easy. And I thought, <laughs> look, I'm educated. I'm a go-getter. I'm willing to, to, you know, figure out what it takes. I can do this. And so that was my inspiration. I just figured, hey, if he can, if he can chill poolside and do this, I bet I can figure it out too. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> so like for us personally, we focused a lot on Amazon advertising and now we're starting to really jump into Google. So you manage yeah. multiple different channels. So when you're signing on a client or you're reviewing a client's account or their products or their website, um, what are the steps that you're going through to figure out what's the best way to invest this advertising budget that I have between these different channels? Yeah, that's that's always a really important question to answer early in the process. And I always look at it. I it, it is, of course, a judgment call. And a lot of that is experience will come into play because, you know, we have been doing this a while. We do see a lot of accounts. So we usually have a sense when we see a new client, kind of what what we think will work for them. And it's always the question of what's the lowest hanging fruit for this client? You know, they've got X number of dollars to spend. You know, we figure out what have they been doing, what has worked and what has not worked. And then we kind of just compare it to our experience and say, okay, we think what, what is probably, what they're probably missing out on with that would give them the biggest bang for their buck is this, this, and this, right? And it's kind sure. of like triage in an emergency room. We figure out where, where is the, like, where is the biggest pain point? Meaning where are they leaving the most money on the table today? Let's tackle that first. And then let's go up the money tree from there. Right. So in terms of actual, you know, channels, Google versus Facebook versus Amazon, 
Is it, you know, are they, are they leveraging retargeting as well as they should be? Do they have strong creative assets that aren't being leveraged on social, you know, sure. uh, or, or on Amazon, you know, are there, you know, segments in the keywords that, that are not being really harvested or not, not being optimized in a way that would make it profitable. Right. So it's, it's always a judgment call. There's never like a, with like, I could say, Hey, do this, 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 no matter who you are, you know, it does take some expertise looking at a client, looking at their products and what they've done in the past and then, and then determining what's the next best thing for them. Sure. As you look at these different channels. So if I look at Facebook versus Google, say versus Amazon or Bing, what, are you seeing any trends where some seem to be driving better performance, others driving worse performance? Have you seen any general trends throughout your time optimizing ads in these different channels? Oh, sure. I mean, you know, two years ago, it was, it was almost always that Facebook ads was our number one channel for pretty much every client. And it wasn't that they were blowing Google away, but they were definitely almost always number one. And that has flipped. Sure. Now, now, some clients, you know, if they're huge into Amazon, that's a different story. Not, not all of our clients are, are you know, very deep into Amazon. Um, so sometimes Amazon can easily be the number one channel, right? But if, you know, right now, if I were to take a survey of all of our clients, I'd say the vast majority of Google is, is going to be their number one overall channel, uh, especially as compared to Facebook. And that's going to be primarily driven by the, you know, that the iOS update, you know, where they kind of... Sure. Kind of everybody remembers that. I think it was just last year, right? Or maybe the year before, but it was where they tweaked with the, uh, the attribution. Now Facebook has switched to this, this, what they call modeling, right? They're modeling your conversions, which is kind of code for, we're not really sure, <laughs> sure. what the attribution <laughs> is exactly. Not that it's, not that it's totally wrong. It's just that they have to kind of use other tools to, to get to the numbers, to figure out what, what makes sense on the, on the ROAS side. But yeah, that's kind of what I've seen. Sure. That. And that's the, the general trends that we've seen in the marketplace, too. And like you're saying, I mean, pointing up to the iOS 14 update where all of a sudden now Facebook can't track your activity across apps. And, you know, the amount of information to build their audiences has decreased quite a bit. That's the exact same thing that we've heard throughout the industry is that, yep, overall meta advertising, it's getting less effective. Google is still strong. We're seeing a huge huge benefit with Amazon display advertising just with their first party audience data. Yeah. It's like Amazon DSP, you know, first party data seems to be getting more and more important as you go, especially as the cookie goes away and these different privacy updates come along. It's yeah. definitely changing the game. And, you know, it, it wasn't that long ago, but it feels like a long time just because everything moves so fast in the digital advertising space. Right. And, you know, what's interesting is Google they want to move to this modeling format that Facebook has. I was kind of surprised because I don't know, people have heard, oh, they're going to phase out this tracking aspect of Chrome, right? And I'm like, yep. what are they thinking? Why would they do that? But they just released it. In fact, it came out in some, some new campaign type that they're really pushing lately. And you had to kind of really dig through it to read between the lines. But there's this page where it's all about their, how they're going to model conversions, just like Facebook didn't say just like Facebook, but that's what they're referring to. And I'm like, oh, wow, because sure. because it kind of removes some of the um, accountability right from from Google and Facebook. It's like, well, we're modeling. Sure. We're not really saying this is exactly what happened. It's just our model. <laughs> right. Yep. This is our so best almost, guess based off of right. what we have. <laughs> right. And of course, they're going to model what makes them look the best. Right. Because it's going to feed their bottom line. 
So sure. it's really fascinating time in this industry to see where it's headed. And, and you know, I would never guess Google would be pushing towards this, but they are. Sure, sure. So when a new client comes to you and they say, Leo, all right, here's my website or my products. Um, what do you see for an advertising ROAS that I can get? I, we get that question all the time in terms of, you know, it's, it's either ACOS like on the Amazon side or yeah. flip that over and you get ROAS. In terms of advertising return, like how do you answer that question? Like what's the sweet spot? Like what are, what are you looking at when trying to answer that general question? Yeah, so th that's gr a great question. Yeah, we do get that a lot. Kind of, what, what's the magic number? You know, how do I how do I hit hit that magic number? And it really comes down the biggest the biggest influencer, in my opinion and experience, is lifetime value of a, of a customer. Um, so, and a lot of brands have that dialed in, and they know that, and even more don't <laughs> sure. don't have that dialed in and don't know it. And I think that's the biggest piece of that puzzle. If you know for every order you get today, roughly what it's going to attribute to over the lifetime of that client, that has such a huge impact on informing your target ROAS. And if you know your target ROAS and your competitor does not, you're probably going to win the, the, that ad, the ad space, the ad war, right? Because you're going to know, hey, I can afford to spend a little more to get this client than my competitor thinks they can afford. Or sure. you could tweak something in your back end and think, okay, well, maybe I can do something differently to get my LTV higher. And that empowers me today to be more aggressive in, in customer acquisition. And, you know, whoever wins that customer acquisition war is probably going to win or that battle is going to win the overall war, so to speak. Right. Sure. So that's so there's not really a magic number to to that question that I can give people. It also depends on your margins. You know, if you, if your margins are better than your competitor, then that, you should be winning. Right. And if they're worse, you have to be way more creative. You have to dig deep. You've got to find their weak points. You've got to improve your messaging and be better at, the, at that than they are. You know, you have to find other angles. Um, but it really comes down to do, just doing the numbers. And that's where my background as a as a CPA, you know, I used, I'm, I'm not anymore. I should make that clear. I don't. I surrendered that <laughs> license, but I was a CPA. Sure. Sure. Uh, I, you know, I had the master's in accounting and all that. Um, but, but you know, I've got that analytical background. I know how to do that analysis for my clients and help them figure out what is your LTV, what ROAS should you be using, um, and then once we figure that out, it's just plug and play into our methodology of of ads management and optimization. Yep. Yep. And, and I think you hit on a couple major pieces that I just wanted to distill. So one is looking at the lifetime value versus the value of the initial sale. And I think this is one key piece that a lot of people miss. Like if we look at how ACOS is calculated on Amazon, again, you can look at ROAS too. Um, it's just taking that first sale that you had. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it's, it's going to be spend over sales and it's going to be the sale that's attributed within that 14 day window. What it doesn't take into account is any repeat purchases that you have. And so the lifetime value can be a lot higher than what is currently reported in the dashboard, just with how the attribution window works out. And so like Leo is saying, a big thing is really focusing on what is the lifetime value versus what is the value of that initial sale. And then from there, now you can really focus on how aggressive can I get with my ads? Um, and I think another awesome piece that you hit is if we have the best margin for our products, 
we're going to be able to outbid them essentially. And if we don't, we're going to have to get much more creative. And so that's another key thing is, all right, how do we elevate our pricing? How do we elevate our margin overall while still getting those conversion rates and other pieces we need where we can outbid our competition and win a lot of those impressions? And if you have a greater margin, you're going to have much more room to get more creative with your ads than if you have less margin. Overall, it gets much harder to compete. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a huge driver. It's why, you know, dropship stores can can just, I mean, it's really hard to make those because you're, you're going up against people that have almost always better margins than you, right? So you, it's hard to run ads to dropship stores for that purpose. But if you, but if you think of margin, you know, LTV, if you can increase your LTV, that's the same as increasing your margin essentially, right? You're just, you are sure. increasing the margin, but it's just, you're delaying it a little bit over time. So you have to account for that, the time value of money, right? But but it's it's one way where you can kind of close the gap. If you have a competitive disadvantage uh, over a competitor that has a better, you know, better margin, if you can find ways to get the LTV up, it's just as good almost as getting the same margins, right? Yep, yep, exactly. So for those products or those companies, those brands that are currently selling on Amazon, how do you approach other advertising channels? You know, we obviously have our sponsored ads, which is going to direct them to the product detail page. But in those cases, are you running ads through other channels and how are you approaching that? Yeah, so the the clients we work have, have work with have a presence in both places, right? So they have their Amazon store and it's almost siloed, right? You know, Amazon is essentially siloed. And then you have your your Shopify or your Magento store, big commerce, whatever. Um, and so then there's, there's usually a strategic question of how do we, which one do we want to push harder on or, or make more appealing, right? Because Amazon's so easy. We all do it. We all just, it's like, Hey, you just click the button. They've got my payment info. It's going to be here in two to three days or something. I'm on prime, whatever. Right. So people are just used to that. Whereas you go to someone's store, got to put in your credit card info and it's just a little bit different buying experience may not ship as fast. And, and there's, you know, you know, this question of, you know, maybe the reviews aren't as reliable on the store versus Amazon, something like that. So it's a question of strategy, right? And people have to make this this choice businesses have to say, okay, do I want people to buy from Amazon knowing that I've got to pay, you know, got to pay Amazon. I got to make, you know, they've got to make money off of the order. Whereas my margins are probably better on my store. But then if I drive more traffic through Amazon, it's going to improve my rankings in the, in the search results. Right. Um, and those are kind of big strategic questions that fall outside of what we do. Usually it's like, okay, you know, you have to make those strategic decisions as a company and then we can work with, you know, whichever one you want to do, right? Sure. But to give it, to give you an example, you know, I've got a client that they they would prefer people to buy from their website because they don't like, you know, the, the margins are not as good on Amazon. You got to pay Amazon, sure. right? Yep. So the way the way they handle that is they 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 price it slightly better on their website versus Amazon. Okay. Now that makes my job actually easier in terms of driving traffic from Facebook and Google, because I know on Google, I know that Amazon is going to put an ad 
you know, on their branded search terms, right? Sure. So they're going to see an ad for my client's website and they're going to see an ad from Amazon. Well, people are going to a lot of times default to Amazon, but then they'll go check the price on the website, right? And so if the price is lower on the website, that makes my job easier from, uh, from a Google ads perspective, you know? So we, I, I, I try encourage clients to have a store in addition to their Amazon presence, right? For those reasons, because you can be strategic about where you push the traffic. You can be more, you can get better attribution. Of course, if you're running Google ads or Facebook ads to the website versus straight, straight onto Amazon. So that's how we generally approach it and advise people. Yep. Yep. I, I, I totally agree. And as we're looking at it too, because we, we've really been focusing on using Google as a channel to drive traffic back to Amazon through attribution. But to make the decision on to do that, you really have to take into account multiple factors to make sure that it's a good business decision. And like you alluded to, it's the pricing or the margin, well, mostly the margin. You're going to have a better margin almost all the time going directly through your website just because you don't have to pay all the different Amazon fees. One of the key things that we look at combined with that is now what's the conversion rate difference between the two? So like you were saying, somebody goes to your direct-to-consumer website, your Shopify store, whatever it is, um, there's a level of trust that you need to build along with this friction where you now have to enter your payment info and everything like that. And so what we tend to see is conversion rates can be significantly better on Amazon just because that trust is already built and all the info is already there. So there's a lot less friction. Um, there's also downsides of going directly to Amazon. You don't get to build out your customer list like you could going through your website. You don't get to control the brand presence as much. And so there's a lot of trade-offs as you go. And like you said, it really comes down to a higher level business decision. And then we can optimize around that. But I, I hear a lot of businesses that are hesitant to send back to Amazon just because of the fees. But if you look at the conversion rates difference, sometimes it makes a lot of sense. And so I think it's really taking a step back, taking a look at the bigger picture. And then from there, after you weigh all these items, you can figure out which, which route is better or the better approach for you. Yeah. You, yeah. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, if, if you get higher volume and a better conversion rate, then it, it could very well be worth paying Amazon, you know, their, their cut to, uh, to get that sale. So it's, it's always, again, and those are big strategic questions that are sometimes difficult to answer. And you counter that, of course, with like, okay, well, the customer list, that's invaluable, right? Sure. So you could say, I'm going to get a better conversion rate today <clears throat> on the traffic, but if I'm, if I'm willing to sacrifice that conversion rate, I now have the customer's email address and I can now drive that lifetime value up through email traffic exactly. or targeting them yep. on Hitting social. on the LTV. Yep. Once yeah. you have that customer list, now the counter to my previous points could be, well, now that I have the customer list, I can resell to that customer. I can make them more brand loyal and increase the LTV overall, you know, which is one of the big counterpoints against going back to Amazon. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. So it's always a big question. And Every, every brand, every client has to work through that and kind of just make their strategic choice on it, right? Sure. So as you're working with different brands and trying to build out a brand presence and trying to drive out engagement with your ads, what do you t look at if you have a brand that's just not seeing that engagement that they'd hope to see with their ads overall? It's all, I mean, it's almost always, we're talking about social 
primarily? Is that what you mean with like yep. comments and likes? Okay. Yeah, it's almost always going to be a function of the creative. I mean, the, the words on the ad do matter. They do make a difference. But the words are usually not what's going to stop someone doing this, right? Sure. It's the, it's the picture or it's the video. That's what's going to stop the scroll, right? Everybody's, when they're, it's like this constant, like, okay, I'm going to scroll now. I'm going to scan. I'm going to scroll, right? So you have just this tiny little window to convince them to not scroll for however long, right? So if you're not getting engagement, usually it's a function of the creative itself is just not interesting to people. It's also possible that it's, you're just targeting the wrong people. You're getting in front of people that really are not interested or have no link to your brand. They have no, no interest in your product, don't know who you are, don't care, right? So it's one of those two. If you have a good audience, and like, let's say you've had ads do well with this audience in the past, and now they're not, that's pretty much a guarantee that you've got a creative that is just not cutting it, and you need to try something different. Could be the format, it could be that, you know, vi videos tend to do better than static. Um, it could be that you need to be trying a story format, you know, instead, instead of just a standard kind of landscape style video. So those are kind of primary factors, but usually it's going to come down to the, the picture or the video itself, and it's either engaging or it's not. Sure. And to figure that out, if I'm looking at what creatives work, what doesn't, what channels work, what doesn't, like what's the best way to test before investing a lot of budget into it? Well, let's think here. So it, it depends on what you're doing exactly. I mean, if you're, if you're testing lower funnel stuff, like, and by that, I mean, you know, abandoned carts or people who have, you know, spent a lot of time on your site or multiple page views, we know they're engaged. We know they're interested because if they weren't, they would not have done those things. Right. If you're, if, if we're talking about that, it's more a question of the creative itself. It's really just, you know, these people are engaged, you know, they care to some level. Can we convert them to, to being a buyer? Well, let's test creatives because we know the audience is strong. Now, the farther up the funnel you go or even into just cold traffic, it's, it can be multiple things. Like if you're talking about top of funnel cold traffic, you're, test, you're talking about it could be a creative problem, could be the messaging itself on the ad, could be the audience is no good or just isn't targeted enough. Um, it could be that the landing page isn't good enough. Right. So the, the list of questions when you're dealing with cold traffic is is it's bigger. So you've got to be willing to spend more to answer those questions. And sure. and when you look at testing, it's really you really just look at the you look at it like I'm paying money to answer a question. And the question is, is this creative any good? Or the question is, is this audience any good? Um, sure. And now the biggest question is, you know, does this channel work for me? Well, if it's done correctly, pretty much every channel will work for you, right? It's just a matter of, of, of efficiently figuring out what's the question to answer and then how do we answer that question, right? And so for us, we, start, we always start at the bottom of the funnel and we work up from there. Because if sure. you get your bottom of funnel tight, if you get it converting well and, and functioning the way it should, then you pour traffic in the top of the funnel, you know that your funnel is gonna take care of business, right? So to speak. But yep. if you don't have that buttoned up, and you just say, I'm going to go out and get cold traffic and try to get them to buy right now today. You know, you're probably not going to succeed because you need a strong backend ads funnel behind that traffic to help close the sale, so to speak. 
Sure. I love that. And so everybody listening, build out the bottom of funnel before you start on the upper funnel. We see that all the right. time where people go directly into brand building strategies without having that bottom funnel to actually convert to a sale. And then yeah. it doesn't work because you have this one interaction and then they just you know end up going away. And so that's a key thing. Always get the build the foundation first, build the bottom of the funnel. And then work your way up as you go. If you don't have that bottom of funnel built out, you're not going to drive that initial cold traffic typically into a sale and results are going to look pretty poor. Right. So, so Leo, it's been awesome having you on. For people who want to learn more about you or your company, where should they go? I'd send them to the website, exactclickdigital.com. Plenty of information on there. We've got some mini courses if people are interested in those. Some that speak to people that are already, you know, if you're trying to build things out yourself, there's a little bit of information there to help guide you. But of course, if you have questions, people are free to reach out, obviously. So I really appreciate you having me on, Joe. Yeah, yeah. It's been awesome to have you on the podcast. And for everybody listening, appreciate you listening as always. And we'll see you on the next episode of The Ad Project. 